What would you do if you saw you? And then we meet a little girl out for a stroll with her mother when a kind old man sitting on a stoop at a nearby house invites her to play patty cake. When she walks over to the kindly old man and begins to interact with him, she has no idea she's about to uncover a mystery that to this day she cannot solve. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day, too. I hope you guys have some awesome plans for the weekend. Hint, hint. Transformers Rise of the Beasts is still in theaters. Check it out. It's actually not that fantastic. I enjoyed it. But if you're in the mood for beast battling action, strap in. Transformers Rise of the Beasts is not paid promo. Paramount is giving me nothing for this. But someone who always pays me in love and joy. Walking into Dead Rabbit Command, everyone give it up for the one, the only, Audrey Makemson. Woohoo! Yeah! Wee! Yeah! <laughs> She's cartwheeling into Dead Rabbit Command. Um, I actually don't know if she listens to the show anymore. I, I have had her in my list of people to pilot our vehicles a long time ago. I did a, I don't remember what episode this was. I mean, this honestly probably was like three years ago. I found out about a USB drive that was floating around somewhere out in the world called the Bigfoot track record, a Bigfoot encyclopedia. And it was, it was decades worth of Bigfoot research. There was a newsletter called the track record and someone had put it onto a USB drive. I heard about it and she actually was able to send me the link. And I was able to purchase it. I don't know if I ever, I don't know if I ever thanked her for that. I don't know if I ever gave her credit for that. That's been sitting on my list here for a couple of years. So today, Audrey, if you do still listen to the show, or if you don't, I still appreciate your work. You're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't track down Lost Media for me, that's fine too. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. That helps out so, so much. It really, really does. You can also vote for us in the monthly Paranormality Magazine Top Paranormal Podcast poll. That link is below in the show notes. That helps out so much as well. Audrey, oh, oh let, me, let me get started too. It's Fan Art Friday. This is a piece of fan art that was actually sent to me again, probably close to two years ago, and it is from Mountain Man Jake. He sent a bunch of stuff to us over the years. This, I've been waiting for the perfect time to use it. It really only works after a break, because otherwise it doesn't make sense, but it is what appears to be some sort of Muppet chicken, if you can't see the art. And it says, when you're glad Jason's back, but you're also not 100% sure he hasn't been kidnapped by the CIA and replaced with the clone. So fantastic. Really, really appreciate it. You'll know that the CIA got to me when I stop complaining about the fact that they owe me $3,000. If I stop, they, they took it right out of my hands. I had a business deal that I had worked on and the CIA got involved and they took it. So if, if I never mention that again, or if I'm like, well, CIA, they're awesome. Um, I've been replaced by a clone <laughs> until they give me my $3,000, then I will shut up about it. You guys owe me that. 
Well, anyways, I'm not a CIA clone. They still do owe me $3,000. And Audrey, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the rabbit rocket ship. Let's leave behind Dead Rabbit Command. Fly us all the way out to University Station. We probably should have taken... <laughs> we're at a train station. I don't know why we didn't take the carpenter caboose, but we, I wanted to make the rocket sound effect, I guess. It brought me so much closer to my true home planet, Cybertron. We're sitting at University Train Station. Trains are pulling in. People are boarding onto the trains, and we got no tickets. We're just kind of hanging out there, eating stuff out of the vending machine, and people are walking around. And we're kind of just hanging out, right? Because a story, a true miracle is about to take place here. Let's look at the story of a man known as Tom McGeorge. Tom McGeorge is headed off to college. It's time to leave behind his sleepy little town and learn more about the world that he lives in. And he's like, yes, finally got into college. High school's done. It's time to pack. It's packing day for college and he's sitting there and he goes okay so i need a pair of jeans and he takes a pair of jeans out sets it down on the bed hmm what else do i need <laughs> he's totally he's been a nudist his whole life he's like well that was fine in my sleepy little town but i heard the big city folk don't like you walking around with everything dangling out what other clothes should i wear and he goes oh underwear that's it grabs a pair of underwear and he goes hmm i kind of want to be a nerd in college i'm going to be one of those guys who wears ties everywhere so let me grab a tie. And he goes to his dresser, which isn't where you should keep ties. So they should hang up on a clothes hanger. <laughs> Jason, no, definitely. You put your ties on a clothes hanger? Anyways, anyways, this isn't an analysis of how I store my clothing. We're just going to make fun of this guy for a bit. So anyways, he goes to his drawer and he's like, should I take the red tie or this teal tie? And he's kind of looking at him and he goes... There's only enough room in my bag for one tie. The smallest of all male clothing. There's only enough room for a one tie. I will take the red tie. So he takes the red tie and he sets it down on his bed. And then he's like, but now it's time for socks. A, sing a single pair of socks will do. That's all you need in college, right? It's one pair of jeans, one pair of socks, and a tie, no shirt. So he goes and he gets one pair of socks out of his dresser and he walks back to his bed. And when he gets there, he sees the red tie and the teal tie. Huh? Oh, that's weird. I picked the red tie, but the teal tie's here. Oh, whatever. Well, I will put down this one roll of socks and I will continue my quest to pack apparently the smallest piece of luggage in existence. So he walks back to his dresser and he's like, what do I wear now? Um, surely I'll need a pair of shoes. Grabs a pair of shoes. He walks back to his bed. And now he sees the red tie, the teal tie, and two pairs of socks. So he only picked one tie, he only picked one pair of socks, but now there's two ties and two socks. And he goes, I, I just must be so delirious from all of this packing. You know, I'm super excited to go to college. Maybe I did grab two ties. Maybe I did grab two pairs of socks. I would hope so. You need more than just one pair of socks if you go to school or just to exist in the world. Packs his bags 
And it's time for him to head off to college. His dad's going to drive him out there. And his mom's like, oh, Tommy boy, I love you so much. Give me a kiss. You, you packed one pair of socks, right? Tommy, give me a big old hug. I'm, I'm going to miss my little man. Miss my little man. You're our only son. I'm going to have an empty nest. And he's like, don't worry, mom. I'll visit. Dad drives him off to college. Well, first semester is going great for good old Tommy. And then he decided, it wasn't his original plan. He was going to spend Thanksgiving at college. But Tom said, this, I don't know how this works. This story's weird. Um, we already have duplicating items. Let's not gloss past that. But some of you calendar people out there may know. He goes, this particular year, I didn't plan on coming home for Thanksgiving. But on this particular year, Thanksgiving break was also my mom's birthday. But shouldn't shouldn't that be every year? I know Thanksgiving moves around a bit. It's the third Thursday of the month of November. But it doesn't move around that much. It's a whole week. It's a whole week off. I don't know why his mom's birthday appears this Thanksgiving. But he goes, okay, so maybe I will go home because mom's birthday is going to be the same week that I'm off. But, you know, I'm, I'm at college. I don't you know, really have any way to get there. And at the same time, a friend of his says, hey, I was going to travel back home and they lived in the same area. I was going to take a train out of University Station. I was going to head back home for the holidays, but I can't now. And I spent all the money on this ticket. I don't know what I'm going to do. And Tom goes, hey, tell you what, I will buy that ticket off you for half price. And the guy goes, ah, that's better than nothing. So money is exchanged for the ticket and Tom heads out to University Station. It's a big train station. He walks in and there is a like counter where you can buy stuff, you know, not vending machines like we eat out of, but like postcards and probably magnets, a bottle opener, just souvenirs, a souvenir counter. And he walks up and he goes, you know what? I'm going to get a card for my mom. I'm going to get her a card saying, I miss you dearly. I'm going to give it to her when I see her in person. So he's looking through the greeting cards and he finds a card that he wants. He puts it down on the counter and the clerk goes, oh, you changed your mind already? Tom goes, what? And the clerk's like, uh, never mind. Tom buys the card, walks away. And he sits down, he's waiting for his bus and the shoe shine guy walks up and says, whoa, man, your shoes are already dirty. I, do you want another shine? I mean, I'll give you another one real quick. Tom goes, what are you talking about? The shoeshine guy goes, uh, never mind. Walks away. Tom's like, what in the world's going on? Tom McGeorge, sitting in the middle of University Station, he looks up and he sees, standing maybe 20 feet away from him, himself. Same face, same height, same build, same clothes. Tom looks from side to side. He's like, am I imagining this? Like, what in the world is going on? And he gets up and he starts walking towards the guy, walking towards himself. Tom, too, looks over at him, kind of smirks and then turns and starts walking away. Tom's like, hey, hey, like, what's going on, dude? 
What in the, what in the world is possibly going on? How, how, what is this? So he begins to follow his doppelganger, and the doppelganger is moving a little bit quicker. He's not running. He's on a full-out sprint, but Tom just can't catch up to him, and eventually Tom's doppelganger looks back at him again and then leaves the station. Tom gets to the exit doors, opens it up, steps out. The doppelganger is gone. He looks from side to side. He doesn't see Tom 2 anywhere. And at that point, he hears over the loudspeaker, Last call! Last call for the train right now! Let's go into Bay City! Which is where Tom lived. I didn't say the name earlier, but Bay City, last call. Time to chug, chug away. Chugga, 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 chugga. Tom's like, no, I missed the train. I missed my half price ticket. How am I supposed to get home now? He runs through the station. Sure enough, the train to Bay City is chugging down the tracks. Well... It was supposed to be a surprise, right? He wasn't. He didn't tell his parents he was coming home. It was going to be a big surprise, and he still wants to get back there. So he hitchhikes. I don't know when this story took. I don't know when this story took place either. From what I can gather, it took place sometime in the possibly late eighties, early nineties. From what I can gather, so we do have a bit of a time period, but. He decides to hitchhike all the way to Bay City, and he sticks his thumb out, and pretty quickly a driver pulls up and is like, hey, what's going on? He goes, hey, I'm trying to get home for Thanksgiving. This year, my mom's birthday falls on me. <laughs> the guy's like, okay, you crazy college kids in your drugs. I don't know how that works out, but hop in, I'll give you a ride to Bay City. The car's driving on the road with their driver and Tom, and they see a couple patrol cars redirecting traffic in front of them, and they both look at each other and like, what? And an ambulance zips by in the opposite direction. We both look at the ambulance fly by him, headed in the opposite direction, and the cops are kind of diverting traffic. And they pull up to the police officer. They go, hey, officer, what's going on? And the policeman says, he goes, ah, some 18-wheeler tried playing chicken with the train. Caused the train to derail... A lot of people got hurt. Tom's sitting in the car and the driver's like, weren't you supposed to be on that train? And Tom goes, yeah. Yeah, it was. Tom looks out the window, kind of off into the distance, you know, just trying to make sense of everything that just happened. And standing on the side of the road is Tom's doppelganger. The driver changes his route And they continue on their travels. But Tom is obviously really shaken up about this. And as the car is zipping down the road, he kind of turns and looks out the window. And standing there on the side of the road is Tom's doppelganger. Just standing there. Staring at Tom. Gives him a little nod. Like, "Mm mm-hmm. Eventually, the driver takes Tom home. He gets out, and his parents are surprised to see him. And he tells him everything that happened. He goes, dude, you guys won't believe this. Like, I was supposed to take the train home. 
and there was this horrific accident. A bunch of people got injured on the train. And the reason why I didn't get on that train was because I saw someone who looked just like me in the train station. It was the weirdest thing. And I got out to follow him. To I just kind of I was kind of curious, right? They say everyone has a couple doubles out in the world. But he looked just like me, the same build, same clothes. It was like the weirdest thing. Missed my train, and the parents are like, yeah, that is pretty weird, you know. But we're glad that you're safe. And Tom goes, oh, Mom, here, I got you a card. I got you a card for your birthday. And he pulls it out, and he hands it to her. And she opens it up, and she reads a little inscription in it. And then underneath that, it says, love, Tom. And then underneath that, it says, and Ted. And she kind of gasps. She's like, oh my God. And Tom looks at the card. He goes, what? I didn't, I didn't write that. I don't, who's Ted? I didn't write that. And at that point, the parents looked at each other and they sat Tom down. And they said, here's something we've never told you about. Because we didn't want to burden you with it. But... You had a twin brother who died just a couple days after you were born. We named him Ted. But he didn't make it. We never told you about that. But you, you had a brother. So the implication is that what he was seeing, his doppelganger, was actually the spirit of his twin brother. And even going back to the packing, when he was packing to head out to the college in the first place, when he was putting down the one item and then he'd see two items, the implication was that was his brother as well, that he was going with him. He was going on this journey, and it was a sign that he wasn't going to be alone. Now, it's an interesting story on a couple different levels. One, I would argue, I mean, I don't, I don't know much about ghosts, even though I talk about them all the time. If you're going to give someone a sign, they should at least know you exist, like... He just thought it was weird. He didn't know he had a twin brother. But yesterday we talked about the linear nature of ghosts and do they know the future or how, how do they process memories or anything like that. It's possible that the brother went with him to college because he knew he would have to intervene in this train accident thing. Who knows, right? I talked about it a lot on yesterday's episode. I find it fascinating, but I don't want to keep going over that. I do, actually. I can talk about it, like I said, for hours, but let's stay on topic. It could have been something like that. It's just interesting that he was sending a sign that, yes, I'll be there with you. But Tom's like, who are you? Tom didn't think there was anything really paranormal going on at that point. But it was a sign that his brother was going to travel with him to college. I found out about this because someone going by the name Mike819 posted online. They go, hey, I'm looking for an episode of Unsolved Mysteries about this. And he kind of gave a vague idea of the story I just told you. And someone goes, oh, that's not... Unsolved Mysteries, that's a show called Miracles and Wonders. So I actually went, I located the episode, I watched it. It's all available on YouTube. I watched this episode, and Tom McGeorge is a fake name. University Station in Bay City, while those might be real locations, they're not real for this story. You might find a place called Bay City, I'm sure you will, somewhere in America. I'm sure you'll find a place called University Station, but... A lot of these details were changed. So I was watching this 
And at the very ending of the segment, this was a show that ran for one season. It was kind of a big hit. A lot of people were watching it back in the day, but it only lasted one season. At the end of this segment, they showed a man named Fernando Valles. Fernando, apparently, is who this actually happened to. So you have this dramatic reenactment of the events, and then it cuts to this totally different guy, and he's like, yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. I think that my brother was there to save my life. But I tried looking up. I tried fact-checking the story. I couldn't find... I could find, obviously, other people named Fernando Valles, but I couldn't find any association with this story or a story like it. I definitely couldn't find any information connecting Tommy George to it because he wasn't the guy that it actually happened to. And this show was aired in 1992, and the fact that you had Fernando, who still looked like a fairly young man, he looked like he was in his mid-20s, that's why I said it probably happened in the late 80s, early 90s. But I wasn't able to find any other backing information for this story. However, the internet does have a best buy date. A lot of stuff that's pre-2001. And, and as time moves forward, you can argue pre-2008. It's very, very difficult to come by. But it's an interesting story. Like we, I do want, I do always like to try to find a provenance, see if we can actually figure out whether or not this stuff's true, do additional research. I wasn't able, I, I ran into a dead end on this one, but it's a fascinating story. This idea that he was protected by a fairly active ghost, a guardian angel, really. This would fall out of just a normal haunting into a guardian angel. His brother is looking out for him. His brother, it, I mean, it technically didn't save his life. It doesn't say that anyone died on the train, but I mean, listen. It does also. It also doesn't say that it was just minor injuries. Uh, it was a train derail. <laughs> I'm sure people had. I'm sure at least some people had life-altering injuries from it. And you know, who knows if Tom or sorry if Fernando had actually been on the bus, he may have been the single fatality. It's an interesting story though, because we have this combination of a human ghost who's manipulating matter at home right? Showing the two ties, showing the two pairs of socks. Anne has knowledge of the future. Anne can manifest in a corporeal form in broad daylight, right? In a train station and interact with other people. I almost totally forgot about that part. The implication is he, Ted, went to the counter and bought a card and Ted got his shoes shined. So when Tom walked in, like the ghost just had time to kill. He's like, oh, well, you know, I got a little bit of time before I save my uh, dorky brother's life. Might as well have shiny shoes. Might as well get these guys cleaned. So he's interacting with other people who don't know that he's a ghost, which we've talked about on the show a couple times. How many times do you think we see ghosts during broad daylight and we don't know they're ghosts? Because they're interacting in the environment as a human would. If you see someone walking through a spooky graveyard at three in the morning, probably a good chance the person's a ghost. If they're passing through tombstones and wailing into the night, they're, they are a ghost. If they're phasing through tombstones and wailing into the night, then yes, they are a ghost. But if you saw one at a bus stop, just sitting there reading a book, and you just walk on by... And you don't know that's a ghost. There would be no indication that person was a ghost. So here we have someone who has knowledge of the future, who can manipulate matter, can become visible, 
in broad daylight to multiple people has money on him, apparently. Paid to have his shoes signed and bought a card. Fascinating. Fascinating story. I wish I could find more proof of it. I did, you know, like the, the more I looked up about the television show, they just kept saying true encounters. These are based on true miracles. I'll put the YouTube channel in the show notes. I'm sure there's some other interesting stuff on here, uh, stuff on that channel. I only watched that one segment, but it was just interesting and it could be true it, it, if it if this story is true it it would rank as one of the more powerful poltergeist encounters that we've covered because it does so much stuff guardian angel manipulate matter appearing to others knowledge of the future fascinating fascinating story it's one of those that i i hope's true but i wasn't able to verify really anything we're taking a television show from 1992 at its word but a fascinating story, nonetheless. Audrey, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the world-famous Carpenter Copter. We are leaving behind Bay City. We each got a little bit of Thanksgiving food in our tummies, some stovetop stuffing, some turkey, lots of gravy. We're flying out of Bay City. Take us all the way out, too, to the suburbs. <laughs> We're about to meet this young girl, very young girl. She didn't give her exact name. We're going to call her Michelle. And she said this story happened back when she was six years old. She said the way that everything worked out is I lived with my mom, but my dad lived down the street, and he lived with his mother, my grandma. So it was always a treat when we walked over to dad's house Got to hang out with my mom, got to hang out with my dad. It was always a lot of fun. But one of the funnest things was the old man on the porch. She said along the route to get from my mom's house, the house I live in, to my dad's house, we'd always pass by this house and there'd always be this kindly old man sitting on the porch. And I'd walk by and I'd go, hey. And he'd go, hi, young lady. Michelle and her mother would just pass by. On the way back, she'd see the kindly old man sitting on the porch. And Michelle would wave again. And the old man would kind of smile and wave back. Well, this would happen every time they went to visit her dad and her grandma. There were some times where there would be a bit of time. I don't know if her mom would stop to talk to somebody. I don't know if she was just kind of playing in the neighborhood. But there were times where she wasn't with her mom walking to her dad's house where she would meet this old man on the porch and they would just sit and talk. And she said he he told me things. He taught me things. But I don't remember what he said. You ask me now as an adult, I don't remember what we talked about, but I just know that he was saying important things to me. He was teaching me. One day, Michelle was sitting on the porch playing patty cake with this kindly old man. And her mom walks up and goes, Hey, uh, Michelle? Come here. 
Come here. I want to talk to you. Michelle hops off the porch and starts walking away. She turns back and she waves goodbye to the old man and she walks up to her mom and goes, What's up? Michelle's mom looks at the porch, looks down at her daughter and says, Who were you playing patty cake with? Michelle goes, The old man. He's always sitting there, the one I say hi to. The mom looks back to the porch and goes, Michelle, I know that every time we walk by this house, you wave and you say hi. Help, help mommy, help mommy figure something out. What does your friend look like? Michelle's puzzled by this question. She looks back at the porch. She looks up to her mom and she goes, well... He's, he's sitting right there. I, I, I know, I know, Michelle, but just tell me what he looks like. Michelle said, he, he's an older man, and he has dreadlocks, but they're gray. He has gray dreadlocks, and he has the beads in his dreadlocks. They're the colors of the Jamaican flag. And he, he wears really baggy pants and boots. Kind of like army boots. He's really nice, Mom. You should talk to him. The mom just stood there, looked back over at the porch, looked down at Michelle and said, let's go to your dad's house. Let's go see Grandma. So they make the journey to the father's house and they walk in. And Michelle's mom goes, hey, um, Michelle... Can you describe to Grandma the man you talked to on the porch down the street? And Michelle's like, what, what is going on? Like, sure, I can, yeah. He's an old man. He's very nice. And he has gray dreadlocks. And in the dreadlocks, he has these beads that are the colors from the Jamaican flag. And Michelle's grandma immediately just burst into tears. Begins sobbing. That's what her husband looked like when he was still alive. What Michelle was seeing was her deceased grandfather, who she had never known. She didn't know what her grandpa looked like. But yet, when she was walking by that house... The reason why I wanted to cover this story... It sounds like a super mundane ghost story. But there's a twist. There's a twist. This this is where it goes into just... A, those stories are very lovely, right? Those are the stories that give us hope about the afterlife, that it's not this dreary place where your soul's trapped in a realm forever or you just vanish into nothingness. These are the type of ghost stories that are very uplifting to people, this idea that love lives on, that a grandpa who was never able to see his granddaughter... After death, not only is he able to see her, he's able to interact with her. He's able to impart the wisdom of a grandfather to his grandchildren. A very, very beautiful ghost story. But that's not the end. So now Michelle has come to the realization that who she's been talking to is a ghost. And Michelle does not believe in ghosts. She says it today. She goes, I don't believe in ghosts. I don't know what that was, but I don't believe in ghosts. 
after Michelle learned that the person she was waving to every time she passed this house, the person she was playing games with, the person who was teaching her these valuable lessons, once she learned that this person was dead, that he was a ghost, and Michelle believes that ghosts aren't real, once she found out that this was the spirit of her deceased grandfather, she never saw him again. That's a really weird twist of the story. She doesn't believe in ghosts. She thought that was a human she was interacting with. When she finds out it's a ghost and ghosts aren't real, she never saw him again after that. Every time she walked by that house, that porch was empty. That's absolutely crazy if you think about it. And it is. If you believe in the laws of reality, and you find out something does not fit those laws of reality, that's a really crazy twist to the story. Because this was such a personal haunting. It's not like, There's a place that's haunted and you're there and there's someone who's more skeptical about it and there's just like very tenuous quote-unquote evidence at best like cold spots in rooms or people get funny feelings when they're walking down the hallway things like that the skeptic can be like well it can be all sorts of different things did you did you did you check your carbon monoxide detector that's not this this is an extremely personal ghost it was the ghost of her deceased grandfather having conversations with her And once she finds out it's a ghost and she knows that ghosts aren't real, she stops seeing him. And she was the only one who saw him. It was that personalized of a spirit. She had never seen him before. I mean, in real life, she had never known her grandpa. And then she's seeing him on this porch and she's interacting with him over... We don't actually know how long. Days, weeks, months, we don't know. But it was an ongoing thing. But once she realizes that he's a ghost and ghosts aren't real, she stops seeing him. Which is a tragedy, really. But it's an unavoidable one. Because she doesn't believe in ghosts. It's an interesting story, too, because you would think that would be proof that ghosts exist. It's a person that only you're seeing, you're interacting with, Someone you wouldn't have known what they looked like beforehand, and yet you go, ghosts don't exist. But um, once she found out the truth, she never saw him again. And you wonder, had the mother not asked her who the person was, had the mother... Because she just posted this story the other day. It was actually posted online by someone by the name Comfortable Edge 834 she, this story happened when she was six. Even if now she's a teenager posting this, she's probably older than that, but it sticks with her. Like, she's still wondering about what happened. So the experience was enough to stick with her, but she says in the post, I don't believe in ghosts. So so what happened? What was that? The answer is, it was a ghost. But because you don't believe in ghosts, you stopped being able to perceive it. It's not like a skeptic walking into a haunted house going, I don't think this place is haunted. It would be like if a skeptic saw a ghost of a deceased loved one, interacted with that spirit as if it was actually their deceased loved one, 
over a period of time and then find out, oh, that relative died like five weeks ago, but you had been talking to her for the past three weeks. It's that personal, it's that intimate, it's that real. But then to go, oh, well, if they're dead, then they're a ghost and ghosts aren't real, and then you never experience the phenomenon again. And and really, there's two ways to look at it. One, she put up that mental block. She wasn't able to see the phenomenon anymore. The most tragic part for me is the grandpa, the grandpa's spirit. He's sitting on that porch. And he sees the mother and his granddaughter walking down the street. And he goes to wave, but Michelle's just kind of looking down at the pavement. She doesn't want to look over at the porch. She's afraid of what she might see. Grandpa just kind of waves and he sees Michelle kind of walk on by. The next time... Michelle and her mom walk by this house. The grandpa's there again and he waves. Michelle looks over. But all she sees is an empty porch. And doesn't wave back. It's a tragic story from the grandpa's point of view. It's a tragic story from Michelle's point of view because I think we do wall off ourselves from parts of reality that we think are poppycock. We're not even going to waste time thinking about it. And you wonder how much of the world, how much of the experiences we're missing because it's not real. And that's all abstract for a lot of us. For Michelle, it was... It was real. She experienced this over a period of time, but still, she goes, ghosts aren't real. And she never saw them again. I think, if anything, it shows the power of the human mind. But that's not always necessarily a good thing. I think there probably was a time where she remembered what her grandpa told her. But again, these mental blocks she's put in place have locked those memories, blurred them out, because ghosts aren't real. Fascinating story. It's really, it's kind of heartbreaking in a sense. On both parties, right? She could have spent more time with her grandfather and the grandfather had to watch his own grandchild not acknowledge his existence. And you wonder, we'll wrap it up like this. I know I don't want to go a little too long. It's a Friday episode, but we'll wrap it up like this. I, you know, you wonder what the trade-off is when you die, because obviously not everyone who dies leaves a ghost. Uh, in fact, it seems to be that only a very, very small percentage of deaths leave a ghost. You wonder if there is a trade-off. You wonder if there is a thing like, it's time for you to go to the afterlife, and you say, no, I still have work on Earth to do. And what happens if you stay behind? Like, What if you're like, no, I'm not leaving my family, I'm going to be here, but your family... It's a tragic story. 
It's a tragic story of a grandchild who lost access to a loving grandparent, both physically and in the spirit world. But I think it's equally tragic from the grandpa's point of view. He sat there on that porch all that time. He defied the laws of death. Avoided the peace of the afterlife so he could spend time on earth to communicate with his granddaughter. But in the end, she stopped believing in him. Ghosts aren't real, she said. And she never saw her grandpa again. But you wonder how long that grandfather sat on that porch day after day, week after week, month after month. Just keeping an eye on Michelle. Even though she could no longer see him. Even though she no longer believed that he existed. He would always watch over her. He would always be there for his little girl. Even if she didn't think he was real. His love for her. Was. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm so glad you listened to it today. 